Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name is Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. I hope you're doing well out there in podcast land. We are now into November, well into November, and it's cold. It's taken a turn for the worst, and I really like it. <laughs> I'm I'm such a winter person. I mean, it helps that my birthday's in winter, I guess, but it's, I just love it. You know, cold outside, get to be cosy inside. Wonderful. Bring it on. Anyway, this week on the podcast, I am chatting to all four members of SOS. SOS are a great band. They're based out of Bournemouth, and I saw them live um, a few, uh, good few weeks ago now, and i just never come across them before, and they really, really wowed me. And all I can really say is go see them live, and you'll, you'll kind of see what I saw, and it's a wonderful thing. But anyway, we chat about all sorts of things on this podcast. We chat about rebranding your style and sound, how to go about that kind of thing, playing the wrong kind of festival twice not once but twice going back there and why it is really important and really helpful to include covers in your set chat about all that and more so anyway i'm just going to say on with the podcast So, today on the podcast, I am chatting with the guys from SOS. Guys, how are you? Hello! Hello. Great, thank you. All, all good. good. All good. All, all very alive. Very very alert. Much more than me, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very alert, very alive. I'm kicking, oh, I'm ready so to go. My... Wow. So, my first question uh, from the podcast, as always, is from an online random question generator which um, you can all kind of take in turn, I guess. If you had to change your name, what would you change it to? Oh, my God. <laughs> right, that is a funny one. That's that a is a one. very funny question for us. Oh, God, that's putting us on the spot, isn't it? I don't know. Pile of sky. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the, the, the thing is, we actually have changed our name recently. I <laughs> would call us Slab Layers. Slab Layers? The Slab Layers. We lay slabs. <laughs> you might need to edit this one out <laughs> I think we should it's a bit of an inside band joke I guess I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I'll give you a serious answer if we had to change our band name we would change it to SOS because that's what we already did we used to be called Saints for Sin we've gone for a bit of a rebrand recently uh, we felt that the Saints for Sin name very much had this sort of like old school hard rock connotation to it which we've moved away from quite significantly over the years so it felt right to sort of have a more ambiguous name that's not so tied down to any one genre so it gives us room to sort of grow and, uh, and evolve so to answer your question sos which we've already done <laughs> boom boom wow wasn't expecting a serious answer to that question but there we go <laughs> so my first, I guess my first kind of real question for you guys is how, how did you all get into music in the first place? What was the kind of catalyst for that? Uh, wow, who's going first? Good. We're going age order, oldest first. So go on. Right, right. Like that. Oh, <laughs> so I was actually, um, I always liked music and stuff, uh, being a youngster, being a kid, being a teenager, but I never wanted to play an instrument till I was 15. Um, and basically I was on holiday in New Zealand. Um, there's a band really big out there, a Kiwi band called The Feelers. They had some really good drumming on an album and it just kind of, I just started banging away on the back of a seat as we were driving through New Zealand. My parents were like, oh, he's got a bit of rhythm. And uh, so for my 15th birthday, they, they bought me a drum kit and pretty much, I guess, the rest is history. Like I just took to it. Um, and yeah, my passion for, for drumming and music really ignited from there. And here I am all these years later. Don't know how many, too many. But uh, yeah, it's been good fun, and I love it. Uh, Sparks next. Do I need to in introduce myself, or <laughs> how do people know who's talking? Yeah, why not? Why not? This is Sparks, the guitar player. I am the <laughs> second oldest in the band. <laughs> I mean, with what you're about to say, you can probably include both. Yeah, of this us, is really. so. So me and Ash, that's the bass player, we're brothers. Uh, so we got into playing music around the same time. Um, we were quite late as well. I was about 15 when I started playing guitar. Uh, prior to that, we, we were both really into skateboarding, and that's kind of all we did all the time. And our parents were, like, encouraging us to take up some more hobbies. And they'd noticed that we both kind of had a musical ear, um, and they suggested that we play guitar. And me personally, I, I didn't care at the time, was not interested at all. Uh, but Ash was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. 
So I, 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 <laughs> and now I play bass. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ash started having some lessons at school, and he had one of those little nylon string acoustic guitars. And I just found whenever I would see the guitar in the house. I couldn't walk past it. It, it. it kind of like drew me to it. So I, I would always kind of pick it up. They had no idea how to play it. I would just sort of mess around and pick out tunes on it and stuff. And then I thought, actually, you know what? I quite like this. So gave it a go. And uh, the rest is history. Became obsessed with it ever since. Strong. Strong. Well, um, <laughs> I'm JV. I'm the vocalist. Uh, I started singing when I was about eight. Um, I was in a barbershop chorus with my family. My parent, my my dad, and my granddad. My granddad ran a barbershop chorus uh, back in Devon, and so I joined there at eight and uh, started singing with them, and did that for like nearly ten years. But um, yeah, I was about maybe fourteen when I started picking up a guitar and started writing songs as well. Um, pretty much a similar answer to, to to the rest of the guys that kind of my parents were trying to get me into doing something else um, instead of just moping about or whatever, playing games. So I picked up a guitar and yeah, the same sort of thing. I just got, became obsessed with it. And then, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Joined bands and stuff and, and, and got to where we are now. I think you're the first band member that I've come across who's been in barbershop. I'm not sure I've said <laughs> oh, to anyone yeah. else. <laughs> win. It's a unique <laughs> way of getting in. <laughs> Yeah, totally is. It just makes me think of The Simpsons, I won't lie to you, but you know. Yeah, it was a bit like that, to be fair. <laughs> hey-ho, hey-ho. So moving the story on a bit, how did the band get together? How did you um, originate? Well, that's a long story <laughs> from a long time ago in a galaxy part now. Um, yeah, so basically, us three boys, so that's uh, Josh the drummer, Sparks guitarist, and Ash bass player, us three pretty much knew each other from school, thanks to uh, Matt, who is Sparks and Ash's older brother. He was in my year at school. We kind of formed an old band called Mothership, did battle bands at school. Um, Our older brother was the singer at the time. And <laughs> that, that's kind of how us three first got together and started playing music. And then um, that band lasted a couple of years or so, and it just kind of it phased out. Um, it wasn't right for it to carry on, etc. But us three stayed together um, and basically kind of pretty much wanted to start our own band and start Saints of Sin. And yeah, I mean, JV's come along in the last uh, couple of years. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, and he's added so much life um, and and sort of just a new sort of take on on our band. And yeah, we love it. And he's, he's amazing to have involved in it. And yeah. I mean, yeah, we... We had a, a f like few other members beforehand, but left for various reasons. And then we put this put this ad out for a new vocalist, which JV turned up for. And um, pretty much from from the go, we just sort of hit off with him. Um, not only with his yeah, obviously singing ability, but with his you know his personality being so similar similar mm. to ours. Mm. We're um, all very much on the same wavelength. He's he slotted right in. <laughs> totally the same mentality as a bunch of hyperactive ADHD boys. <laughs> yeah, seen a fit well. I think it's it's underrated by a lot of people, isn't it? Like the music and being able to slot in musically is really important, but being able to actually get on with each other is, is arguably more important. I, I, yeah. Go, I was just going to say, like, yeah, um, it's probably one of the hardest things about forming a band is is you, so many elements have to slot into place mm. like it's not just finding decent musicians you gotta find decent musicians that are also into the same sort of artistic direction as you uh you've got to gel as people uh you know e even down to vein things like the look and stuff like that it's all like it's all like a, a package isn't it all compromise and yeah. stuff like that as well I yeah suppose, well you know, i think ultimately like... you, you do have to compromise sometimes yeah. because as sparks was just describing there's so many like stars that have to align um and when there's you know four or five of you in a band you know of course you always have to be willing to compromise but um a little bit but um when you're with you know three four people you really care about and you really 
you know, get on with and you want to, you know, go to battle with and go yeah. get on stage with and stuff, then you're more than happy making those compromises. Exactly. That's what makes a band, being in a band, very special, you know? Yeah, and why the chemistry is so important. Definitely. Because it all seeps its way into the music as well. Yeah, totally. Totally does. Is the the covers that you do part of the compromise? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, we we rarely... The compromising is usually more on the business side of things, mm. like whether we do gig, like certain gigs or not, and stuff like that. Set lists. Mm. Yeah, yeah, set lists, like that, really. that sort of thing. But in terms of like the music that we make, we're all, I think, very much on the same page. And the covers thing was really interesting because... We first started doing like charty sort of pop covers when we were Saint to Sin. And at, at that time, we were very much like an old school sort of classic hard rock type band. So it was very much out of character for, for like the sort of show that we were delivering. But the reason that we did it is we, the, the types of shows we were playing were like so varied. And so often we would play at like these eclectic festivals where the audience was not necessarily a rock audience. So one of our ways in winning audiences over was to play covers because as soon as someone hears a song that they know and you do a good job of it, then then more interested in engaging the band and maybe more open to listening to your original songs. So we started off doing like really obvious uh, covers, just like classic rock songs. But as we realized the the markets that we were playing to were so eclectic and varied, we thought, well, hang on a minute. What we really like to do is play original music so why don't we take songs that are really popular, really well-known, that are going to work with the audiences that we're playing in front of, but then make them our own? So it's almost like you're treating a cover like an ori- original song. We completely rearrange it, completely make it our own. That was something that uh, we really enjoyed doing. It was much more fun than just playing a cover, you know, as it is. Uh, but it's also something that we kind of got known for, and I think audiences really responded with because... Obviously, they know the songs, they like the songs, and it's a completely refreshed, different version of it um, that surprises people. Mm. And I think um, as much as people in like a kind of rock and metal background want to be elitist about what music they like, I think far more of them enjoy pop music than they let on. So, Absolutely, <laughs> well. yeah. It's, I mean, there's such a fine line really like rock and pop can be very close to each other really it's just the instrumentation i mean so many pop songs honestly could very easily be rock and metal songs they're literally using and vice versa yeah they're using the same song structures and structure is pretty much just the instrumentation and production that's going behind it that makes it sound i think like you said uh, and, and some people don't like to admit what they like and i think this is where it doesn't take a lot of compromise with us in terms mm. of uh, like musically because we all are quite eclectic in terms of what we like. We like all sorts of genres. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we get together, we start writing and, and doing music and stuff. Actually, I think, you know, as long as it sounds cool or whatever, yeah. we're, we're sort of game to experiment with all sorts of stuff. And interestingly, I think this is part of the reason why we've end up, ended up sort of rebranding and, and changing our style and sound so much is I do think that in the rock and metal community, there's a lot of toxicity. There's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on. So much closed-mindedness. It's like, oh, if that's not rock or metal, I don't care. I don't want to listen to it. And it's like, I feel like every genre of music has something valuable to offer. And, um, you know, I, I think some of the most exciting music that's coming out right now is people... Like Sleep Token, for example, is the most bipolar band you'll ever listen to. One minute it's like heavy, screaming, time signature changing prog metal music. Next minute it's like some proper pop thing. And then they've got a funk thing going on. Like it moves all over the place. And I think that's what's really interesting me about music at the moment is pretty much every genre that could be created has been created. So the only way to sound new and fresh is to mix things together. Subgenres on subgenres, genre fluidity. Yeah, <laughs> we we tr- describe ourselves as genre fluid. Yeah, <laughs> genre cocktails. <laughs> yeah, it's a fair description. Yeah, I know what you mean about sleep token. I really like them actually. And uh, there's a particular um, there's a particular Facebook group that I'm part of is like a metal Facebook group, and so many people just hate on them. It's ridiculous. I'm like, why? What's what's wrong? I don't understand. It's because it's not metal enough for him. Even even though it has plenty of metal elements, I think there is just like this real 
attitude. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't mean to like hate on anyone who likes rock and metal music. And of course, there's exceptions to this. But I do think there is like part of the culture in rock, rock and metal is to hate on everything else because it's become so underground. Perhaps probably you're probably right. You're probably right. But then, at the same time, who cares? If you enjoy music, you enjoy music. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. I guess you know. It's each each to their own. You know, if you don't if you don't like something, you don't like it. It's, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's the yeah. That's the beauty of music. There's so many forms of it. So many perceptions of it. You're never going to you're never going to make everyone happy, no matter what you do. So you just got to believe in what you do yourself. You know, and stick to your guns. And that's what we that's what we do. You know, our our musical direction has naturally changed and progressed over the years and it just reflects who we are. We haven't tried to be anything other than just ourselves. It's about making music that you, you would want to listen to yeah. sort of thing. As soon as you get rid of that, you start trying to write to a brief, you know, or an mm. audience that you've got to stick to and you're starting to fall out of love with that, mm. you know, that genre, then mm. you can start to see it. You know, I've seen a few big bands that you can see some of their songs that they bring out, you know, uh, or they try and change genre and then their fan base completely, you know, turn on them and stuff. But it's about, at the end of the day, making music that you want to listen to and you want to play. Mm. And that's the most important thing. Otherwise, otherwise it's, it's boring, to be honest, isn't it? If you, just start, if you stop enjoying what you're playing, then what's the point? The whole reason we're into it is because we love it. It's about channeling a creativity and passion. Absolutely. So... Um, you said um, you had a recently had a had a rebrand to kind of change the feel of the band. Where did the band name, the new band name, come from? I'm always interested in stories <laughs> like that. It's a bit of a compromise, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, this is an example of compromise. <laughs> we yeah, we st- well, we came up with this sort of idea that we wanted to sort of change the new direction we were going with. Um, yeah, we did come up with a few different sort of names uh, and ideas, but. I, th- I think <laughs> basically it was just a, a compromise. We didn't want to completely lose what, what we've already done, I suppose, and, and what we've sort of built built and worked up to. Um, so we thought SOS, we always refer to ourselves in posts and stuff as SOS anyway. Um, so obviously Saints of Sin, SOS, and we just thought that was the best sort of compromise, really. I think it's important to note as well that, like, it, the... the it wasn't sort of like a, a sudden change sort of thing. Yeah. It was it was a, a gradual process. Like before I even joined the band, there was talks of this full rebrand. So actually, I if it's a funny sort of timings thing because from an outside perspective, it looks like I came into the band <laughs> and suddenly everything changed. Yeah. And so there's a few, you know, from a fan's point of view, sometimes they see that. But what actually was happening was I came into the band and at that time was all- there was a plan together to rebrand the new music was already, you know, in the works and stuff, and and I had to slot into that new rebrand. But luckily, it kind of was going in the same musical direction that I wanted to go into anyway. So again, that's what drew us to JV as well, because obviously, you know, he came in and he had all all the same ideas and stuff that that we did. So you know, this is what's been so so perfect. So moving over a little bit, where and how do you guys rehearse? Do you have your own space? Do you rent somewhere? What's your approach to that kind of thing? Um, well, we used to do the classic rehearse at the drummer's house, <laughs> but then we had a bit of a neighbour problem. Um, <laughs> so basically, we now just we just rent um, a studio in Bournemouth, which is pretty much on our doorstep, you know. And um, the we, we use Blue Line Studios for anyone who does that. Yeah. Shout out to Dan from Blue Line Studios. Um, yeah, they're really good to us. Um, and, you know, it's good fun getting in a studio and stuff. Um, yeah, we'll do that way. So where and how do you guys rehearse? Do you um, rent a space or what's what's your approach to that kind of thing? Oh, so uh, we used to practice at the drummer's house, my house. Um, but then we had a bit of... <laughs> do you want me to redo that again? <laughs> Oh my god! You can't say the drummer when you are the drummer. Yeah, but I know. But people are like, who is this talking? We so rehearsed either drummer, me house. <laughs> <laughs> but now we don't rehearse that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let's yeah. let's, re- let's redo that one more time. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> He said he doesn't like editing. He's got some editing too. Unless keep it all in. It's raw. It's, it's natural. It's entertainment, isn't it? Yeah. But now we we rehearse at Blue Line in Bournemouth, which is a which is a studio. Um, so we basically, hire. we used to rehearse at the drummer's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Do you find that you have to be kind of tactical with your time when you're renting somewhere? Um, yes, for, for sure. I mean, we were always, I, I, I'd like to think we were always pretty productive with our rehearsals. Uh, we always had a game plan. We wouldn't just be, you know, we'd take a few breaks, of course, if you've been running a set for an hour and a half, you then need a quick break before you do it again sort of thing. But we are pretty productive with our time, I think. And obviously, yeah, when you're paying for a space and you have X amount of time, you just got to be on it even more. But yeah, we never go into to a, to a practice without a plan, as Josh said. Like it's either we're running a set for a gig that's coming up, or we're rehearsing the new songs. There's never been a time where we stood in the studio just noodling around on guitar. You know, it's like or even writing stuff in the studio. When we're in that practice room, we're practicing for something, a specific reason. So yeah, we, we use the time well. It's just our set up and set downs. Yeah, uh, sometimes time, yeah, yeah, cool. and we like to gossip as well. So that always uh, that always takes a bit of time. A blue line, blue line. You know, give them credit. They're they're good for their availability and stuff like that. Because obviously that that is something different. That now that we aren't practicing at a drummer's house where you have full freedom of what time mm-hmm. you know and whenever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to you have to book it in. But blue line are, are really good for that. What was your first gig like? Let's say your first gig like as a rebranded band. How was that? Did it go well? Went really well, didn't it? Yeah, it was uh, Paul Harbour Harbour Festival. Yeah, yeah, went well for me. It was a bit of a a difference um, because kind of when I joined the band, they had these gigs booked in, and we had a few. There was a few that had to cancel because didn't feel like we were ready quite at that point for some of them. But I remember. The, the the first gig te- we had was um Paul Harbour Festival and it was to a really really good crowd. Um, I, a lot of it was a blur really for me <laughs> because I think I was so focused on making sure I didn't mess anything up that uh, yeah it kind of just went under blast and I remember climbing up in the middle of this hmm. tent up this huge pole and then there was a couple of photos of that and then <laughs> afterwards meeting everybody and stuff and it seemed to be quite good. It was a nice experience because I felt like the fans there weren't missing the old singer you know, well obviously they were but they they were welcoming to me should i say it was very welcome for sure yeah. which is good it, it, i think um it, it was quite a relieving experience for all of us because obviously it was the first time that we played with you know we'd been with the old singer for a long time and it was the first time we we were you know playing with something new and obviously there was a lot of nerves going in, like how are we going to be received? Like how is it going to go down? But for me personally, as soon as we hit the stage, it felt completely natural. I, I wasn't like worried or nervous at all. We just mm-hmm. went up there and did what we've always done and had a, a great time. And yeah, JV smashed it. So There's a moment of relief where you go, right, this, this is going to work. It's going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Have you have you had any nightmare experience gigs where everything's gone wrong? Dare I ask? <laughs> of course. I, well, yeah, definitely. You can tell the story in a tactical way and leave and leave out names if you need to. That's okay. <laughs> well, we have. Do you guys? This is it's, it's more just like no. I think learning your your limits sometimes as well when playing. I, I just, <laughs> oh, we had, Jesus, it was yeah. one of the first gigs that we had a rider. <laughs> And there was a, a bottle of whiskey, which was finished before we started playing. And I just remember just playing absolute trash. <laughs> <laughs> that was fireball whiskey uh, yeah. ash that night, wasn't it? Transformed into fireball whiskey ash. I tell you, I tell you what, though, the worst gig we ever did, which was absolutely nothing to do with us, not our fault at all, and we somehow ended up doing this twice. Oh, I know where you go. We got booked for was it a festival? I feel like it was a really small indoor festival that was all the way over like Ilfracombe Way in Devon. So it was a big, you know, long trek for us, and it was way out in the sticks. It was like on some campsite. The drive up to which was was just like fields farm fields as far as the eye could see not a person in sight we pull down this little dirt track and get into some campsite and we get shown to this uh hall that we're playing in and behind where we're supposed to set up on the floor there was no stage was a kids play area a giant soft play area behind (laughs) where we're supposed to play and here, this was like back in the hard rock days. I'm pretty sure we were wearing we were spandex, spandex at this point. Eighties hair metal band turns up in front of a bunch of kids. And didn't they have a magician? They Did probably they had a magician, magician or something. <laughs> what? Um, and it, I remember it being fully lit. There was there was like no lighting or anything. It was it looked like a village hall with a soft play area, and it was like all little kids and their parents that were like 
hanging out on this campsite and I remember like as we were about to go on our intros playing and all these little kids come and sit cross-legged on the floor in front of us like it was assembly school and we were just looking at each other like what are we doing here so we managed to cringe our way through this set and agreed at the end of it we're never going to play this gig again (laughs) a year or so later we get an email from somebody and we had memorized the details of this place. We hadn't memorized the address or what it was called. And it was like, oh, we're offering you X amount of money to play this gig. And we're like, yeah, okay, fine. Money's decent. Yeah, we were like, okay. oh, festival, Devon. We're like, yeah, yeah, we've got fans in Devon. Yeah, we'll come come down and do that. <laughs> and so we, we don't, until we're like halfway there on the drive, we're like, oh, God, I think I know what this place <laughs> is. And then we pull down this same dodgy dirt track and we're like, no, it's the soft play area again. I can't, I can't believe you did it twice. <laughs> as, as the reformed band, you know, as you hear us now, we have yet dragged JV down to play in front of little kids in front of a, a play it's area. Not playing, so, no, you know, no, no, that's yeah. true. That's, that, is, so, that is lucky. We are, we are learning, you know. I think it should happen at some point, shouldn't mm. it? <laughs> yeah, initiation. We could keep going on this, though. Like, how long have you got? There's been some awful ones. <laughs> one, one, of, one of the worst... <laughs> what? <laughs> one of the worst gigs we ever played led on to one of the best gigs we ever oh, played. Yeah, this was fine, way yeah. in the early days of the band. Like, we'd only been probably less than a year we've been playing at this point. Again, we booked for a festival. This one was really local down in the new forest. It was a lovely sunny day and we turned up to this um, fancy manor house, wasn't it? Fancy. It was hard or something. Buckler's hard. Yeah. Um, and this is not hating on Buckler's hard. It's a lovely place to go for a, for a lunch or or something, (laughs) but there was this little family festival going on there. And again, we turned up full on eighties hair metal, spandex, hairspray, the lot. And it's a real sunny day, and it's just old old pensioners sating, sat down on benches eating their egg and cress sandwiches <laughs> on picnic blankets. There's little kids running around again. There was so a this pu- was a gig with a magician. Yeah. Oh, no, it was a puppet show. It puppet was, show it was literally Spinal Tap. The puppet show was billed before us. And all these kids were loving this puppet show, and there we are to, to do this gig. And we we almost turned around. We were so close to just packing our stuff up and getting back in the van, not saying anything, just bailing on this festival. But the show must go on, as Queen said. So we yeah we got on stage, we did our thing, and it was all right in the end. And it just so happened that one of these people sat on their picnic blanket eating their egg and cress sandwich was the head of a really big gaming company called Multiplay. And they do these huge festivals up in the Midlands called Insomnia. And this was like uh, when when they were first thinking about getting some live entertainment uh, as part of the festival. And the guy was like, yeah, really complimentary and properly sold on us. And yeah, booked us to headline this Insomnia Festival, which was, yeah, crazy. Big. It was the Telford International Centre was where it was. And yeah, huge stage set up, LED screens, massive crowd, the works. It was amazing. So it goes to show that even some of the bad ones can lead on to something good. So you don't know who that one person in the audience is, do you? At yeah. any time. Well, it sounds to me like you should go back to that place in uh, Devon and. Yeah, I should do. Give it a go. You never know. You never know who's there. We'll, we'll we'll play in the soft area next time. We'll get in the ball pit. That could that could work. I mean, if nothing else, surely there's a music video you've got to film there at some point. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> It'll be such an in, in reference for certain people. But there we are. Um, moving over to a different topic. How do you guys write songs as a band? Do you kind of collaborate in the studio? Or does one of you kind of bring a whole idea? How does that kind of thing work? Uh, yeah, so I usually will write whole demos. Um I've never been very good at like sort of jamming in a rehearsal space. Like um, Josh, our drummer, he's very a good improvisational musician. He's really good at just sort of coming up with ideas on the spot. I'm really not like that. My if I try and improvise, I sound like an amateur, complete amateur. So I I enjoy writing sort of like yeah solo, I guess. So I'll I'll, I'll sit down in front of my computer and I'll basically come up with my ideas for the entire song so I'll, I'll program drums on my software i'll play guitar and bass and do all the production elements on my laptop uh, and basically come to the to the guys with like 
a pitch like this is how I envision this song to be. Um, the, and I'll really terribly sing the vocals over the top to, to mm-hmm. show what my vocal ideas are and the lyrics and whatnot. And then we'll basically bounce that around the band. We'll, we'll try playing it sort of how it is on a demo and then we'll try tweaking certain ideas and everyone will, will put their own sort of spin on, on their own part. And uh, it's quite it's quite a quick way of getting songs together, to, to be fair, because like that that groundwork is done, that, that structure of the song and the ideas are so well formulated from the off. It means when everybody jumps in and puts their own spin on it, by the end of a rehearsal session, you know, that song will be pretty much ready to go. Silence from everyone else. I just, <laughs> wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure if anyone else wanted to chip. Well, um, yeah, no, I mean, you put, he's pretty much, Sparky's pretty much covered it. I mean, it's, you know, Sparky will very much deliver a a really strong sounding song. Um, there has been times where sometimes we tweak things. It might even be the structure a little bit. Um, someone might decide, you know what we should do? We should actually do the bridge like this or for this long or bring it back here or something. But generally, we get a really good idea and vibe of the song from the off from Sparky. But as a band, as he said, we do tweak things a bit. So everyone still has an input. Um, and we always encourage anyone to, you know, have an input, be creative, put their ideas forward as well. Um, and Sparky's really good at that as well, being open-minded with a song that he has a vision for. So everyone does get their say. And it is a group effort, but um, Sparky definitely brings a really good, solid idea to the table first, which then we all have, have our fun with, really. But, then... but also, interestingly, uh, we haven't written with JV yes. yet, our new singer. So th- this is the way that we've always sort of done things. But JV is super creative as well. And already since he's joined, he's been bouncing loads of ideas around. And, and we have started making a couple of demos together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which has been really cool, actually, to bounce ideas back and forth. And uh, to give JV some credit, I think um, all these new songs, only two of which have been uh, released under SOS so far, but we've got a few more to come out. Um, he's he's given like his really honest input mm. on it and stuff and kind of put his own spin and I think tweaked stuff and improved it. And um, little tweaks have happened sort of yeah, as we've recorded them as yeah. well, uh, which has been a cool, a cool sort of new way to work. Yeah, so in, in, for for my perspective, coming into to a band that's got these ideas already formulated, obviously <clears throat> there's only so much work that I could do with anything anyway. But not that anything needs doing. Because Josh was saying, Sparky gets such a good foundation and, and structure for these songs that if there's anything that we, we think needs changing, it's normally minute. Well, so far has been uh, in my experience, but um, yeah, I'm excited about having the opportunity to bounce ideas off with Sparky, um, it, which we've been doing so far. Give me, give it a bit more of a, um, it, you know, it gives me more of an opportunity to try and get a bit more creative with things. But I think as well, the, the music is slightly changing because, you know, they've got a different uh, toolkit of skills to use now vocally. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. before, they when Spark was writing music, he was writing for their previous singer who had maybe a different range or different um, different techniques and abilities than I do. You know, for example, I've got, like, I could do a few screams and fry screams, whatever. So now there's, there's things that we can bring into the music now. So that's a cool writing element. It's just about, you know, uh, utilizing those different bits as well. So yeah. it's cool. We, we just get to have fun and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the writing process so far and excited about hearing any new I've, stuff. I've got some really cool idea, like new ideas forming for whatever the next lot of, of songs will be. So that's exciting. Look forward to hearing. So on the, on the note of, of recording and things like that, do you guys record yourselves and mix yourselves or do you go into the studio? What's your approach to that kind of thing? Um, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a bit of both, isn't it? Because with the guitars, we do a lot of them. We can just do them at home, can't we? And then we, we sort of preamp them, don't we? Yeah, so, or reamp them. Reamp them, yeah. Um, uh, drums, we've always done at a studio. Uh, same with... Have we done that with vocals? No, no, vocals. We've got a really good producer guy and a technician called Mike. Mike, comes, Mike White, shout Mike, out Mike White. Big up Mike White. And we've done a lot of vocals at my house. Um, he just comes along and it's 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 kind of crazy the way it works nowadays. You know, the use for a studio is literally just for the drums kind of thing. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
kind of it's it's more of like uh you can you can record most of the things um remotely and then as they say reamp them or whatever so vocally as well we've been doing those you know in different places it's a, it's a really nice way to record like over the years we've kind of recorded in every way that you can from like budget home studio setups to like proper studio time where you do everything in the studio with you know en- engineers and producers and stuff um individually and then also yeah play, playing all together at the same time yeah. That, that, yeah we even did it the old school way of yeah basically having um literally only really overdubbing uh vocals or the band stuff recorded in a room at the same time to try and capture that live energy but um i i think the way that we've done these most recent singles has been the best definitely. from my personal yeah. experience because definitely in our some, direction as well where we're going yeah. like it it works from a production point yeah like with our style yeah because i think i think i feel i speak for most of the band here except for probably our drummer josh that we get red light syndrome i don't know if uh, other bands will relate to this but like you'll you'll nail you'll be nailing your part you know before until that red button is pressed that red light comes on you know recording all of a sudden you can't play anymore and being able to record so many things at the comfort of your own home without engineers or producers or whatever breathing down your neck you get so so much better results i feel you can come out with uh you know much tighter parts because you haven't got that pressure and you're not paying for the studio Mm -hmm. time so you can take as long as you like to get things nailed down at home and mike is great as well actually with how how um or with everything's done, but he'll be so strict on everything. You know, if he thinks you can do it better, oh, yeah. do it again. He he'll you know he won't stay quiet. He'll make sure that he's vigilant that you, that you do it. He's a vocal tyrant. And, uh, vocal yeah, recording his, tyrant. his you know <laughs> mixing and everything yeah. else. Like we have, we are so happy with him and everything he's done. He's really, really you know, and, and um, just the great vibe you get with him as well. Yeah. So when I was in the studio doing drums with him and Sparky was there and stuff. Uh, you just get such a great vibe from Mike as well, which is really nice. When when you're recording, the people, so if you've got an engineer or producer on board as well, they very much do need to feel like they are part of the band as well yeah. during that process. If you feel a bit like, it's hard to explain, if you feel a bit of pressure or like not quite gelling, not quite clicking with each other, a disconnect, exactly. It can, it can create a vibe that you don't want. Or, or just unnecessary sort of pressure or weight coming into the performances. But with Mike, it was very easy. He was very on board and like was on the same wavelength of the style and the direction. And he was really vibing with the songs yeah. and the music. And it was like we got the impression he really wanted to do it. And we, we really wanted to work with him. So I'd worked with Mike on some other stuff outside of SOS, uh, tracking drums for some other pieces of music. Um, and I was really impressed with his with working with him then and then also seeing the final results as well. So we really wanted to work with Mike and he seemed really keen to work with us. So it's just a really good match, mm. really good vibe. He was super talented. So we're really happy with the results. And, and he's a clown like yeah. us. He loves to mess around and yeah. have a laugh. So that, that I think that's, that's something that you, you can't understate in the studio. Like having, remember to have a good time. You're there to do work and you want a really good result out of what you get. But if you're laughing and smiling and, and having fun, that 100% gets communicated into the recording and your performance. Yeah, it puts you at ease. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And Mike comes to, to especially speaking from the vocal uh, point of view, when he comes and, and we record vocals together, it's kind of, he comes with some ideas that I personally wouldn't have thought of and maybe Sparky wouldn't have yeah. thought of beforehand. And he's not afraid to put his, you know, 10 pence in, which is actually something that you find sometimes with some, engineers that they're too scared to say what they think because they think they're going to insult the band or whatever but we're quite you know open with each other anyway with our you know we we want to be better so if anyone's got any feedback we'd like to take it so when he comes up with something or he says something's not good enough do it again you know we take that on board and he's not scared to do that which is one of the things i think that's really useful for him is that gives us the best result which is at the end of the day is what we want yeah it's the perfect balance of everything You've got the gel, you've got the fun, but then you've got that hard work ethic and the and the ruthlessness of and attention to detail that mm-hmm. gives the the real fine result at the end. To be honest, I couldn't agree more with basically everything you've said. You'll be happy to hear. So I think especially especially true when you're picking someone to work with in the studio that you've you've fundamentally got a 
get on with them and enjoy being with them. Otherwise, it's going to be yeah pretty rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how do you? How is the band managed? Is there a single kind of person who's quote unquote in charge? Do you share out tasks? How does it? How does that kind of thing work? I think it's it's quite a democracy. I'd say. <laughs> I think they definitely have. I think personally, I definitely am. I, I, I take, I try and not do it too much, but I'm a bit of a hothead. So I, I like stuff done. And it's that, you know, I'm one of these people, but everyone does pull their weight, which is great. And we sort of set tasks out to, to, um, to best suit each individual person. If you know what I mean? Kind of thing. We know that like, for example, Josh is really good at contacting venues and he's like the sort of like the face of the businessy side of the, the logistics guy. Logistics guy. You know, he's the kind of guy that, gets you know talks to the, the organizers at the end of the gig and sorts out the finances and stuff like that because he's just you know good with that sort of stuff and so you know and then there's the social media side that um sparky's really good at like the designing stuff and and obviously he writes the music and whatever and he does a, a bit of the social media bits and bobs and then you know i'll do like some of the more the businessy side of things and and, and the social media as well oh, yeah. And, and bits and, and contact people and then Ash does absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Ash does you know he does all the other stuff as well he's you know a he's on van duty he's on van duty at the minute and he, he pulls his way we we all work together you know as a machine to get this stuff done um, there's always going to have to be pointsmen and there's always going to have to be people that sort of you know you know push a bit more and and try and get people to do stuff but that's going to happen with anything so that that happens sometimes but everyone does pull their weight and 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 it's not one person that's required to do everything sort of thing yeah i think everybody has a voice as well don't they Mm -hmm. it's very rare that anyone sits back and just goes with the flow and doesn't really have an opinion like everybody is passionate and focused and you know we no matter what it is that we're talking about, whether it's writing a song, writing a set list, doing a gig, uh, social media posts, like everyone sort of has an input on how it should be done. Like everyone cares about, you know, each individual element. Nice. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's really good to work to your strengths, especially when you know what they are. Then it means you can kind of, yeah, it can. Just, everything's just far easier, isn't it, to be honest? So what would you say has been um, the biggest success of the band so far? And you can all have different things that you think. <laughs> <laughs> Success is relative, right? Stuff um, one, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when we say band as well, are we classing it since, like, in its current format under the rebrand? Um, I think that's a that's you a know. <laughs> I'll let you yeah. answer it how you like. I think keep it to the current, yeah, the current rebrand. I think personally, one of the biggest things for me was getting to play we, we recently played a gig in germany so we went international which is like really cool it's the first time the guys have you know yeah. been international full stop in the yeah. whole band's career anyway so it was a bit of a milestone and you know we it it sort of was one of those things whereby i almost thought it was never going to happen because we were not very organized to start with about getting ourselves over there and we sort of were just going to try and fluke it but we we managed to you know pull ourselves together we got a good little route in order we managed to stay in amsterdam for a night and you know we had a party out there and stuff and then we played the gig and it went down really well and overall all in all the gig was was great the feedback Mm. was excellent you know it was by no means the biggest gig that they've played or you know the most well attended one but just the actual fact that it was us getting into Germany and playing that sort of felt really cool. Yeah, I think going on to like the previous question, that's that's a good example of how the the machine was like well oiled and everybody, you know, <laughs> the, being completely self managed and and not having any sort of external help. That was quite it seemed like quite a big feat to to organise ourselves enough to get over to you know a different country and, and play that show and all those little moving parts that had to be organised. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Mm. Can you believe it? <laughs> four mongs managed to travel that <laughs> huge distance and, play in a different country. And it went down really well. And um, the venue was awesome as well. Mm. Um, we made a really good impression. We've got some uh, amazing new followers now that we've, we've got yeah. gained from that, from that show. Um, so, yeah, that's right up there in the last few years, I think. We also had a very successful... Uh, tour up north. Oh man, I'm losing track of time. 
Like when was it last year? Was it end of last year? We played a a couple. Was it a couple of shows in Scotland? And we played. Yeah, we played Bradford. We played Bradford, and then we played Edinburgh, and we played Glasgow. And all of those shows were really good. When Mm. went off, that was a really successful tour. Um, And we 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 are planning to hopefully at some point get back up there again. Um, And I think we did touch on it earlier, but I think it, it might sound. I don't know if it's obvious or silly to say it, but I think. You know, it is scary when you have a big lineup change like losing a singer. And I think the fact that JV has absolutely smashed it, and as a band, we feel like we're in a really good place now, that is a massive, massive success, success yeah. in its own right. Because a lot, I know, I think there's a lot of bands that might have just sort of given up or thrown the towel in. It's, it's a lot to go through. Um, and the fact that, you know, literally the first show, things went off like it was good. It was like, it was a good vibe, literally from day one. Um, and, you know, and that's carried on and progressed. That is success, massively. And I, I almost joked when he first asked the question, the fact that we're still together yeah. <laughs> is our biggest <laughs> success. I think you have lots of, like, micro-successes as well. Like, it's easy to kind of, like, when you're so driven and you, and you want, you know, that, that huge level of, like, you know, fame or to be li- living off the band or whatever, it's easy to kind of forget all the small successes you've had over the years. Mm-hmm. Like we played Isla White Festival mm-hmm. early on in our career. Um, we've got sponsorships with Vocal Zone, EVH, that's Eddie Van Halen's guitar brand. And if I told my, you know, 15, 16 year old self that I would one day be sponsored by EVH, you know, that would be mind blown. I'd be mind blown by that. Got sponsorships with Bare, Bare Knuckle uh, Pickups, which is, again, a really cool thing for me. Um, we've had Airplay on Radio what, uh, Radio 2 rather BBC Radio yeah. 2 Kerrang um, and, and well and actually with you uh, one of our new singles was BBC introducing like Track of the Week and stuff yeah, so I got loads of Airplay um, on like uh, BBC Thailand and stuff which is basically the main BBC sort of Southampton Hampshire sort of radio station for, uh, so yeah it's like a lot of small wins yeah, you know, yeah. take along the way and remember them Small wins that build up to a big kind of thing is <laughs> probably the best way. Yeah, always. Exactly. <laughs> what goals do you guys have for the band in the next six months to a year or so? <laughs> that that's a that's a good one. <laughs> well, we need a new van. <laughs> our ba- our band van has died. We need to get that sorted. Um, we've got yeah. Sorry, Ash, you look like. Did you want to jump in? Our bass player wants to say uh, something. Let him speak. I was, I was just stretching, but... Oh, <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> um, I think just to expand, you know, our fan fan base and stuff really is is the aim. Um, you, know, we, you know, we have a really great fan base, um, but it, it's sort of a case with the rebrand and stuff. We, we sort of are like a new band at the mm. moment. So... Um, I think it's it's sort of like starting again a little bit, but just with, you know, <laughs> with a, a bit of, you know, help, I suppose, that we Big have this up. existing yeah. existing uh, fan base. So I think the main thing for us and what we've talked about is basically just play as much as possible and just sort of expand a little bit more. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, we're re-establishing yeah. ourselves is, is what it is. Um, you know, in terms of specific goals, we've got, uh, what, four more singles to get out. Mm-hmm. So they'll be coming out between you know the end of this year and early next year. Like I said, we want to play more shows. Uh, we've got new, uh, you know, more new music with JV that we're writing. Yeah, so we've we've floated around the idea of potentially doing a full album next year if we can get enough songs together. But it's very much a sort of re-establishment phase for us. So we we talked about playing around the country more and trying to build up little pockets of followings around the country. And yeah, just fully get this this ball rolling with the with the rebrand and the the new band. Yeah, it's definitely about you know taking some smaller steps because we look at we, we, we're trying to we've had the, a, a bit of an issue the last few weeks where we, we were kind of like everything was floating around and we're trying to just grab loads of different things and we get distracted. Like, let's focus on this. Let's focus on that. Let's focus, and it's kind of we've got to try and narrow our scope to think. Okay, we need to focus on building up another solid fan base here and around the country in little pockets, as Sparky was saying, and just build ourselves as musicians because, you know, it is the rebrand has meant it's almost like a factory reset in a sense, but an assisted factory reset because, you know, we've already got 
a good following around, but we just need to make that a stronger one. And then I think things will start to fall into place a bit more when we do that and just focus on making ourselves the best versions of ourselves we can, get the band really, really solid and uh, keep writing music and keep doing what we love to do, really. Come back to London. I'll see you again. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, yeah. we, we've got, we're in contact with a promotion company, actually, that is, uh, is hoping to book us uh, in London early next year. So keep an eye out. I hope it's not one particular promotion company I'm thinking of that I will tell you after we finish recording because they are terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, always worth warning about that particular one. But we'll we'll come on to that later. Yeah, cool. that's fine. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> We'd appreciate the one. So my penultimate question for you guys um, is maybe another difficult one. What's your best piece of advice for bands nowadays? Right, let's, do, let's do it individually. Okay. Let's do it individually. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to say, Sparky? I was going to say um, you've you've got to arm yourself with as many skills as possible. It's not good enough the, these days. It's not good enough these days just to be a good band, a good musician, good songs like. You, you, you can be the best musicians writing the best songs on the planet, but if you don't know how to market yourself, you don't know how to run social media, you don't know how to do the, you know, the business side of things, you don't know how to book gigs and organize yourselves, then, you know, sadly, it's so, it's so much harder to get anywhere these days. Like, labels and management aren't interested until you're pulling big numbers yourself and, and you're, you've already done most of the work. And, you know, we can get bitter and cynical about that. Uh, um, but ultimately, if you want to be in this business, that's just the way it is. So I would say learn social media, learn business skills, do all the other things that management and labor would normally do, uh, you know, on top of being the best musician you can be. And I know it's a lot. That's, that is a, it feels like such an overload at times, but that's what it takes. And you've got to just keep your, keep your head down and working hard on every single aspect of the business because ultimately a band is a business if you want to do it seriously mm-hmm. i think my piece of advice for a band um would be be a f- as friendly as you possibly can like if you're supporting a band and you're bringing fans to that band or, or regardless if you're supporting a band stick around watch the whole band don't go the thing that irks me the most when i was young when i was in other bands would be you'd have a, your, your support band that you've got this gig for and then they just leave before the main guy comes on. You, you'd never get the gig again. Stick around, make sure that you're, you know, you kind of want to, you need to be friendly and the same with, with the fans and stuff. Be as friendly as you can with the fans. Make them feel like family rather than, than hiding in a green room. Go out, speak to them because at the end of the day, the people that are going to be paying, you know, your bills will, will be them. You know, it, it's, all very good being a great musician but if you don't have a good fan base and you're not good with your fans then 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 there's no point um it's not cool to 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 just hide away and stuff it's not you know you're not special doing that be out there be friendly and as i say especially with other bands go and socialize with other bands you know congratulate other bands even if you don't think they were that good congratulate them because at the end of the day they're up on stage they're doing what they're doing you know they're trying their best as well just try and be as friendly as possible because you never know they might want you back and they might bring loads of people or they might suddenly blow up and suddenly you've got a slot with them and support slot. You just have to be as friendly as you can. It's almost seems a little bit sinister to say, but you, you do have to kind of, kind of, you know, Brown knows them a bit and, and, mm. and try and be as friendly with as many people as you can. Cause that, that's, that's, that's the way you're going to get far in the, in the industry. I think. Yeah. Uh, my advice, I guess we sort of talked about it, but just, uh, appreciate the small gains that that you get and everything that you do obviously like all the guys have sort of said yes you've got to work hard and for for everything and put put the time in but um i think it's when you're in a band especially when you've been going a long time it's quite easy to get yourself down about um you know thinking that you should be further along or 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 yeah basically just being negative about you know what you want and where where you should be at when you need to appreciate what what you've done really um you know just everything you know is what you and what you enjoy so just you know think about all the positives of what you're doing and um yeah just just keep plodding on really 
Yeah, man. Um, and my yeah, my piece of advice if we're we're talking brand new bands, um, say you know a band uh, that does original material wants to wants to be as best as they can. Um, my advice would be, even though that's what we all want to do, don't be scared of playing covers. Mm-hmm. If you are a starting out, you're a brand new band, you should be playing covers as well. Get the crowd going. That will win your audiences over at shows. No one's going to know, or being frank and being blunt, people aren't going to care about your own songs when you're first starting out. You need to break the ice. You need to show off with songs that people know love and respect and then you will gain their respect and love as well by doing that and then they're going to take your own songs more seriously so even if you want to be an original band and absolutely have that aspiration it's amazing making your own music and stuff and still play your own songs but play covers as well alongside them that will really help you gain that initial foothold when you're trying to win your first fans and stuff um so that would be my big advice boom I think that was all very, very solid advice. And again, I, I can't argue with any. I can't argue with any of it. Any advice for us? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Feel, feel free to take that advice for yourself if you would like. Um, <laughs> so, so my final question for you, um, my final question for you um, is to ask for your favourite brackets released song from the band to play at the end of the podcast. So, which song is that, and why? I think. Um... To take the businessy route, we should play our most recent signal, shouldn't we? Yeah, signal. 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 Our most recent signal. The most... bad signal. Yeah, it's our most recent signal. Shout out, man. Okay. <laughs> so, our, yeah, our most recent single, which is uh, Mary Jane. Lovely. Well, this is SOS with Mary Jane. Guys, it's been great to talk with you. It's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much for having us, Cheers.